Hello and welcome to the App Fairy Podcast. My name is Carissa Christner, and today I'm very excited to bring to you an interview with Rex Ishibashi of the Originator Apps. They are most well known for the endless apps, the endless alphabet, endless reader, and uh, they are great apps for teaching reading and vocabulary and math skills as well. Um, If people ask me, what's the one app that you can recommend to help my child learn to read? Endless apps is pretty much the first ones that I recommend. Um, One of the reasons is that I've seen this I've seen their apps work even in my own home. When my son was very young, before he could read anything at all, one day he was looking at a book um, and it had a big block of text and he pointed to one of the words on the page and said, mom, is this the word look? And I looked and it was the word look. I said, yes, how did you know that? And he said, little blue has to look both ways before crossing the street. And I said, oh my goodness, that is a sentence from Endless, uh, one of the Endless apps. And I went, and I bought like the whole set of lessons because I was so excited because this obviously was very effective. Um, I also love the way that uh, the Endless apps are not afraid to use rare words and the big juicy words um, of for vocabulary that really help kids to, I don't know, get a handle on bigger words. And also I love that their apps, when they um, have the letters moving, you hear both the name of the letter and the sound that the letter makes. So I think those are all really awesome elements of the Endless Apps. In addition, they're also really funny. I'm really excited to bring to you Rex Ishibashi. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. It's great being here. So let's start off with just some basics. Uh, Where are you guys located? We are located largely in the San Francisco Bay Area. We're a uh, tight, small team of five. Four of us are in the Bay Area. One one of us is actually down in Los Angeles. And uh, by and large, we work virtually from our homes. Oh, that's nice. So you don't have to travel to an office or anything. You can just work from home. That's, that's very nice. How many apps do you guys have total at this point? Well, as you pointed out in the intro, we have seven primary apps that come under the Endless umbrella. Uh, Endless Alphabet, Endless Reader, Numbers, Wordplay, Spanish, and now the most recent Endless Learning Academy, which is somewhat of an all-encompassing app that uh, incorporates the six other Endless apps, plus a few new activities, including uh, socio-emotional video lessons, and then as well, uh, a music activity that we introduced. Have you been with Originator since they first started? I am uh, one of the founders, yes. And in fact, I consider the entire team of five founders. Uh, We were uh, all together at a prior company that was also doing some kids apps. And um, we decided to venture out on our own and uh, and start the company together. Nice. You've got um, a lot of history then with everybody. It makes it maybe a little easier to communicate with each other. It sure does. I mean, it makes uh, the virtual workspace that I described before even possible. So there's a lot of trust and natural chemistry between us and a willingness to go outside of our comfort comfort zones at times to do things that we've never done before, which frankly makes the job fun and uh, sometimes challenging as well, but certainly fun. Tell us a little bit about the artwork. We've been talking with app developers about how they make their art. Can you tell us a little bit about yours? Sure. All the art and the animations in the apps are, uh, are digitally produced. 
So there's nothing that uh, generally we sketch by hand. Um, uh, the Endless series is all done in 2D, um, and all of the um, the artwork for those apps have been done done in Illustrator or Flash. We're working on a new app, which I can talk a little bit about, um, but uh, a new app uh, for older kids. So we're building a math app, actually, for older kids between the ages of six and nine. And uh, that app will be um, a, our first 3D app, and we're developing all the artwork uh, for that app in Maya. Oh, that's very exciting. Um, so in addition to the endless apps, I think you also have in your collection a Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head set of apps? We do. Um, that was done in concert with Hasbro, of course, who owns the license. Um, and uh, it, it isn't the center of our business. We don't do licensed work anymore. Uh, but we do have friends uh, at Hasbro, and um, they like what we've done with the with the uh, Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head characters. So we continue to maintain those apps for them. I will say that my son also really likes those Mr. Pot- Mr. Potato Head apps too. <laughs> they, yeah, they're fantastic. They crack him up. <laughs> so on your small staff, do any are any of them? Do they have a history with uh, education? Um, I just think you've got some really solid educational philosophy behind them. So I was just curious to know if you've got someone on staff or if you consult with somebody or how did, how did that come about? Yeah, it's a great question. And um, we've been asked it many times. And uh, I always stumble a bit when I answer it, but I'll be as honest as I always am. Uh, so we have no professional educators on staff. We're all educated ourselves is my inside joke, I guess. <laughs> um, so, so I guess that helps. I think the best way to describe originators, uh, and specifically the endless apps or the educational apps that we develop, um, I'd like to think of us as, um, you know, the smart uh, babysitter who ends up coming over makes learning fun and makes learning fun in ways that perhaps is difficult or impossible to do in a classroom and um, through which a child learns and sometimes learns more deeply than in a, in a group classroom setting. So uh, we don't have uh, professional educators to answer your, your question more directly. Uh, we do have our own philosophies about education uh, and what works uh, and certainly what works in the digital environment. And um, through the course of seven endless apps, we've learned quite a bit through testing, through feedback from our users, sometimes feed, feedback from educators themselves um, who are out there in the wild using our apps in classrooms. In the wild of the classrooms. <laughs> right. That actually brings me to my next question. How do you do app testing? We test all of our apps with kids. Um, generally speaking, we run our uh, any given app of ours through two to four rounds of testing. Um, each of those test groups are quite small, and, and this is some of our learning over time, but our test groups for any given session uh, at any given point in app development is only three to five kids. So um, what we learned very early on was, yeah, it's nice to have feedback from 25 kids. Um, it takes longer, uh, is, is tiring, frankly. But uh, most importantly, by the time you get through three to five kids, 
you pretty much have the headlines as to what's working in the app and what isn't. Uh, and of course, since we do multiple sessions, sometimes we'll have to go back to something that we thought we saw and thought we fixed in an earlier session, but is rearing its head again in a later session that you know where we're testing other elements or components of the app. But um, we have relationships with um, uh, parent groups here in San Francisco, a few preschools and schools themselves here uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area. And um, they're very happy to have us come in for an hour or so and run um, testing with a few of their kids. Um, it's also interesting, um, if I can add, that certainly by the time the kids are three, four, five, they've start, started to understand or you know, begin to understand more about media. And the parents and the teachers are frankly over the moon thrilled that their kids can get involved and understand what we're trying to accomplish through the testing, which we thoroughly explain the best we can to very young kids, that they're helping us make the apps better. And I bet that makes them feel like really important. It sure does. Yeah. It sure does. Yeah. yeah. And so you you take uh, devices into the preschools or into the parent groups and you test test them in person, though. You're not like remotely testing. No, we, we test in person. I mean, I think we glean far more from expressions than we do uh, actual words or, or you know, uh, a, a, a parent's interpretation of what their child is thinking or feeling. Uh, certainly with a two-year-old or a three-year-old, they just simply cannot articulate the way we can as to, you know, our feedback on a game or on an app or on any kind of interactive experience or on a movie or a book or whatever it might be on why we like it or don't like it. So, you know, when there are pauses, uh, when it's clear to us that we want a child to interact in a certain way, those are clues and hints that it's not as clear as we think it is, for example. I just recently realized that none of the monsters in your apps actually speak. Um, they are so expressive on screen and they just, they're so silly that, and there's so many other words in your apps, right? I mean, you use words all the time. There's a narrator over, but I just never thought about the fact that the monsters themselves don't actually speak. So um, can you talk a little bit about why you chose to design speechless monsters in an app about language? And has that presented challenges? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, and one that we debated, I don't want to say at length, but uh, it was a key point as we were developing the endless world and exactly who these monsters were, the personalities that we were imbuing um, the monsters with, um, but as well, the choice that these monsters can emote. So they do make sounds and they make sad sounds or happy sounds, uh, but they don't speak. Um, uh, it, it was a deliberate choice for uh, a few reasons. Um, one is that uh, it's the actions of the monsters and the animations themselves that help reinforce and create a language or the words in the minds of children, as opposed to saying, you know, having a monster say, I'm happy, when the lesson is about happiness or ha or the word happy. Um, we also do have a narrator's voice, as you know, that, um, that um, explains or demonstrates how the word should be uh, pronounced, the, the, the phonetics of the letters, the definitions of the words themselves. And we felt that a consistent 
narrator's voice um, would make that more clear as opposed to um, fantastical or personality-filled voices that may say the word gargantuan differently than a different character would say them. Yeah, that's a really good point. So, yeah. Um, not having the monster speak has been challenging at times because uh, it has really forced us to um, refine animations so that the visual can tell the story about what the word is and what the word means. Um, but again, um, that's, that's a level of rigor and detail that we're happy to tackle and it's worked well for us. Eventually, we did succumb, if you will, um, because this was such a topic every with every app that we're developing whether we could um, have the characters emote more and actually say things um, even something as simple as hi or bye right um, but eventually we did succumb and we created a character uh, called alphabot that is a robot in endless wordplay and alphabot does speak um she, um, and, and we did, in our own minds anyway, uh, uh, um, gender assign her, if you will, but um, uh, she really speaks around the animations, but um, it's centered around this robot's adventure through the endless world, and she is the narrator for the Endless Wordplay app. But um, Alphabot is the only character that actually speaks, and actually speaks very well. <laughs> yes, she does. <laughs> um, have you had any particular words that you found that you wanted to use, but you're like, I don't know how in the world we're going to illustrate that with an animation? We have, and I, I'm trying to think of examples, but... Um, Enigma or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, uh, you know, uh, uh, funny you should say that. Uh, Enigma is on the list of words that uh, has never made it to the app in, uh, for Endless Alphabet. <laughs> and uh, I think you re referred to the on the alphabet words as rare words. You know, we call them stretch words internally, words that, um, frankly, kids love saying because they're complicated to say, and oftentimes they have a rhythm and a cadence that longer words tend to have and shorter words don't. Mm -hmm. um, and as well, and the alphabet and, and the centering of that app around these stretch or rare words was really somewhat of an epiphany for us in that um, there was a morning when my, um, at the time, three-year-old son uh, woke up. It was a, a beautiful, sunny day in San Francisco in the middle of summer, which we don't always get in the middle of summer. We often get uh, foggy days. And he walked up to the window and said, it's gorgeous outside. And uh, gorgeous is a word that my, my, my wife uses quite frequently to refer to weather when it's beautiful. And if, if a child using the word pretty is a million-dollar moment, having, the, having them use a word like gorgeous or gargantuan or experiment is, you know, is priceless. Absolutely. Uh, so... Yeah, we, uh, we had a similar experience at my house, um, although my son didn't quite get it. Instead of using gargantuan, which he would use properly, but he actually pronounced it gargantuic. <laughs> 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 but he definitely got that word from your app, because I don't yes. think we use that often in our language. So that was another uh, example, of, in, far, in my mind, 
that was another example in my mind of a way that your app definitely uh, is effective at teaching kids those rare words. Yeah, one of my favorite stories, uh, if you don't mind me digressing, but one of my favorite stories, um, a friend of mine sent me a, a Facebook post of someone that I didn't know. But this mom is describing this uh, evening situation with her, I think it was a three-year-old, where the three-year-old kept pulling mom's arm to, 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 to want to show her and dad something in, in, in his bedroom. And uh, they finally succumb and they go into the bedroom and on his bed with blocks, so not with an app or anything else, but with blocks that, um, that uh, the, the boy had, he spelled the word contraption on the bed. <laughs> no and uh, as, as this Facebook post had it, um, the mom freaked out and said, we have ghosts in the house. This is like the sixth sense. I mean, like, this is crazy. <laughs> And and the dad said, "I've been letting uh, I've been letting our boy play the um, play the app and the alphabet and the contraption is one of the words." <laughs> and uh, I just I, I have that on my desktop. I mean, it's not my screensaver, but I always have that on my desktop because I open it once in a while, and it just makes me smile. Did she include a photo of the block spelling out the word contraption? Uh, yes, absolutely. I'll, I'll send you. I'll send you the post. I would it's, really, really love that. We will post that on the App Fairy website, everyone. So go there if you want to see it. Um, that's an awesome story. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Because yeah, it would be very spooky if you <laughs> didn't know where that was coming from. Um, so I read somewhere that you cited in the past um, Sesame Street as one of the inspirations for your work, and I can totally see that in the Endless Apps. There, that same flavor of educational, but fun and the reason that they are educational and motivating to kids is because they are fun. But can you tell us a little bit about a little bit more about your history and how Sesame Street has influenced you? Sure. Uh, where to begin here? Um, we, we could spend a half hour talking about this. Uh, I, I, I well, so I was born in Japan. Uh, Japanese was my first language. I uh, came to this country when I was four years old. Um, I learned to speak English watching Sesame Street on TV in the, in the late 70s. So, um, so that was my first influence, if you will, and of course, you know, had, had very, very uh, uh, fond memories of, uh, of um, having learned so much and having as well been entertained so much by Sesame Street. So I think, you know, at its core, the commonality between Sesame Street and Originator is we're truly trying to deliver world-class educational benefit as well as entertainment. Um, As it turns out, uh, and I think there's probably a Facebook post or something that I, I put up at some point when I was literally on the set of Sesame Street, uh, the five of us uh, who started Originator worked at a um, a company prior to this that was doing kids apps, and we were all five involved in helping create Monster at the end of this book and another Monster. Uh, so uh, those are apps that uh, that company had done for Sesame Street. Those are also fantastic apps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're we're proud of those, and uh, they're they're amazing apps. So. Um, we have many friends at Sesame Street. Um, a friend of mine said, gosh, you guys feel like, you know, you're the Sesame Street of the 21st century. 
which is the ultimate compliment, I suppose. Um, so yes, I mean, admiration, influence, uh, my early ability to speak English. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I mean, how many reference, how many more references can I provide? That That's but, perfect. Uh, that's perfect. Yeah. Um, and because I, yeah, I, I feel the same way. I grew up watching Sesame Street too, and I, I think that it had a lot to do with the fact that I could read pretty early, and I think that the correlation is, is very clear. So yeah, that's great. All right, so let's see, where were we? Oh, right, you were going to talk a little bit more about uh, any words that have been particularly challenging to illustrate. Yes, we have a long list of words that uh, has not made the grade. Where you know the animation would be too complex. Um, we haven't come up with uh, a sentence that uh, successfully or accurately captures a broad enough definition for that word that a young child would understand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, s- several reasons why words end up, you know, have ended up on the cutting room floor. All that said, you know, we've, uh, well, endless alphabet launch with 26 words. We continue to add words. Uh, it now is a hundred words. We feel comfortable with a hundred words, but we have dozens more words that could end up in endless alphabet should we choose to expand it. So, at this point, are you are you adding more words? We are no longer adding words. Um, we've always taken the approach of launching an app with the quote unquote bare minimum, mm-hmm. uh, seeing how it was received, seeing if the app worked, and then expanding from there. As it turns out, we've expanded all of our apps. So, you know, endless alphabet launched with twenty six words. It's now a hundred. Uh, endless reader, which is really centered around the Dolch or the Fry sight word lists uh, that you know educators point to as being important for you know kids by the age of what or the end of first grade to to know pretty well or know by sight. Uh, endless reader started with twenty six words and it's now up to three hundred and fifty words. Wow, <laughs> uh, and 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 does capture does include the vast majority of the Dolch and Fry's Fry sight words lists. Uh, endless endless uh, wordplay started off with 90 words um, and 30 lessons or waypoints on the map that you could play, and now has 270 words and 90 waypoints that you can play. Uh, numbers started off with 25 numbers and is now 100 numbers. Um, uh, Spanish, 26 words, 27 words, something like that. Uh, 27 words because of the additional letter in the Spanish language. Uh, and uh, it, it now goes up to 100 words total. Wow. So at this point, though, you're not adding new words to any of those apps. Is that right? We're not. Okay. Okay. I, I, <laughs> I wasn't sure they could just kept growing and growing. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. No, uh, we, we've all, we all feel... That those those apps are complete. Um, we also gauge it based on feedback from educators as well as um, as well as parents. Within this reader, we're getting a lot of feedback from educators saying, "This is a fantastic sight words app, but you only cover twenty six sight words. Where's where's the rest?" Mm-hmm. And so we said, "Oh, we really do have to complete this app." Um, and endless alphabet as another example, we're just get constantly getting feedback from parents, more words, please, more words, please. And we would trickle them out. Um, now that we're at a hundred words, uh, we have, you know, far fewer of those notes coming in asking for more words and endless numbers. That's a good way to gauge it. 
Can you talk a little bit too about your subscription model that you've got for Endless Learning Academy? Sure. Um, you know, the subscription model is something that we always um, had in the back of our minds, um, even when we were developing something like Endless Alphabet, which was our first app. But we knew that a subscription model really had to have a large amount of content. And so we said, I think we have enough content. We know the apps are being used frequently and often. Uh, let's bundle all of the all of this content plus the academy lessons, uh, the video lessons, into a single app, and let's try this out. And so we launched it December of 2015. So it's over a year old now. Uh, we learned a lot in terms of pricing and and how to present the subscription offer, etc. What we realized is, you know, one size doesn't fit all with respect to how families want to consume media and what their budgets allow. And, you know, one family may be very attuned to uh, a subscription model. Another family may not be. So we've eliminated the plan or stopped thinking about pulling the other apps, seeing that Endless Learning Academy wasn't necessarily the the end-all substitute for all the apps, the standalone apps that came before. So, so we plan on keeping all the apps available in the store. They all do very well in their own right. And, you know, the best way, the best analogy I could use is some families want to rent a movie and have it streamed to them. Some want to own it. So, that's a really a really good analogy, and I I for one I'm really thankful that you um, are going to keep both because I can see definitely um, an argument for both sides, and I like to be able to present that to parents at the library when I talk to them about the endless apps. Absolutely, thank you. Um, so one of the questions I'm asking all of the different people that I'm interviewing on this show is about this concept called joint media engagement that librarians and researchers have found to be a really effective way for um, for families to incorporate apps into their family life. Are there any features of your apps that you think specifically encourage this joint media engagement? Is this something that you thought about in the past? Uh, We've been talking about joint media engagement prior to Endless Alphabet. Um, So this is something very near and dear to all near and dear to us you know the first and foremost all five of us as i mentioned before are parents of young children so you know we're we're thinking about how these apps can be delightful and enjoyed by a parent sitting next to a child one of the features that we built in um from the very beginning was multi-touch so what we were noticing in part was Um, a child's desire to pick up more than one letter at a time or one word at a time. But what we quickly realized is it was a great way in joint media engagement, especially with very young children, for a child to, you know, um, slot the word Z for zebra into the puzzle. And uh, because they're more challenged, uh, and, and the letters and the words are, are, aren't as top of mind as they are for us as adults, uh, mom and child would take turns, and oftentimes the child would be grabbing the next letter before mom had finished slotting the E in zebra in. Mm-hmm. And so 
you can, I, I forget what the technical limitation is, but I think you can pick up like up to four or five letters at a time. Wow. Um, and that was a very deliberate choice uh, uh, to promote joint media engagement. And as well, not just parent and child, but oftentimes we'd see children together completing these puzzles. And of course, you know, there's a flurry of fingers hitting the screen trying mm-hmm. to complete this puzzle as quickly as possible. And we made that possible through um, through multi-touch and very specific to joint media engagement. Yeah, I was going to say, I've actually, I've seen that at the library too, when I've got more than one kid wanting to play with that app that they'll, each of them will have a finger or two. But now, I, now I'm curious. I'm going to have to go see how many fingers I can <laughs> manipulate yeah. at the same time. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> um, so do each of your monsters have a backstory? They do. Um, I, they, they, they all have names, which over time, and if you are uh, a devotee to the apps, you'll kind of learn them all. Mm-hmm. But um, they, they, they do have names. I'll, I'll, send, you, I'll send you sort of the, the lineup um, and with all their names. Um, the, the bios themselves for the characters um, remain a secret, but everything you see in the animations reflects their backgrounds. Nice, nice. Hi, 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 um, hi, hi, Rex. My name is the App Fairy. How are you? Hello, App Fairy. How are you? Nice to meet you. I'm great. I'm so excited to, to hear um, to hear your voice. I've heard so much about you. But um, I wanted to know, I have a question from Claire, and she actually has a very sophisticated question for a little girl. She wanted to know why you don't use letter blends, although I think the way she said it was, why is it that when you have a T and an H in, like, the word the, it doesn't say th, it says t and h. So she wanted to know why you don't use that. That's a great question. So the puzzles um, are only one letter at a time. So uh, as you construct the puzzle, um, there's no intermediate steps that, uh, and I'm going to modify what I just said in a second here, because we eventually did get to that in endless wordplay. But um, we don't do letter blends mainly because um, the individual letters are the components of the puzzle. And so we're really emphasizing the individual letter sounds as opposed to the letter blends, even though when you're spend spelling the word the at, at an intermediate point, you have the T and the H together. In endless wordplay, and you may not have noticed this, is we do have letter blends. So as you're spelling words, and um, I'll just use the word uh, example, um, what's a good example? Cart, C-A-R-T, is uh, when, you, when you have partially completed the word cart, C-A-R, Alphabot will say car, even though obviously the end game is cart. So we did get to letter blends eventually with endless wordplay, but and, and we did try and trial and test some letter burn, uh, uh, letter blend mechanics even for endless alphabet. But we found that given the basic mechanics of single letter puzzle creation or completion, it was more confusing than it was helpful for kids. But if you're interested in letter letter blends, I strongly recommend that you try out endless wordplay. I will definitely tell Claire that that's what she should do. What a great answer to the question. Thanks so much.
Sure. All right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna head out. I'll see you later. Bye, Carissa. Mm, bye, Up Fairy. Bye, Up Fairy. Thanks again for coming on to the show. It's been really wonderful to talk with you to learn a little bit more about the backstory of endless uh, of the, all the endless apps and to hear about your philosophy. And I just really appreciate you taking the time to come and talk to us today. It was a pleasure meeting you. As a great questions, and uh, let's definitely stay in touch. We'll do that. Thanks a lot. Uh oh, you guys! I think it's just about time for the bad app fairy to show up. Uh oh, here she comes. Hey, you folks! It's the Bad App Fairy here, and I'm here to tell you about the best way to find really bad apps. For this episode of I Got a Doozy for You, one of the easiest ways to spot a bad app is to look for educational apps with inaccurate information. My personal favorite example was an app that was all about teaching shapes, but it called one of the shapes a ROM. Not a rhombus, or a rhomboid, or a diamond, just a ROM. And as far as I know, that's not the name of any shapes. What a great way to mislead children as they're supposed to be learning. So sneakily close to being right, but absolutely wrong. (laughs) This type of bad app doesn't really happen all that often, so you gotta keep an eye out for these (laughs) hidden gems of the bad app world. Of course, you could ruin the badness by trying to contact the app maker and notifying them of the error, but what fun would that be? I say, let's teach kids wrong information. Ah, I'm out of here till the next episode. Bye-bye. Oh, bye, Bad App Fairy. Don't listen to her, guys. The App Fairy Podcast is a production of the Madison Public Library and is sponsored by the Heising Simons Foundation and the Joan Gans Cooney Center, a nonprofit research and innovation lab dedicated to advancing children's learning in a digital age. Visit CooneyCenter.org for more information about the work they do. That's Cooney, spelled C-O-O-N-E-Y. If you'd like more information about this podcast, check out our website at www.appfairy.org, where we'll post lots of goodies online for you to enjoy. A big thanks to Audrey Martinovich, our audio engineer, David Seste, who created our theme music, and Hannah Sandvold, who designed our fantastic artwork and brought the App Fairy to life. My name is Carissa Christner. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to all of the credits. And of course, now you've earned the hidden gem of the episode. For this episode, I'd like to talk about an app called Azzle by a company called Jutiful. That's Azzle spelled A-Z-Z-L and Jutiful, which is kind of like the word dutiful, but with a J. Um, so this app is also about monsters. So if you like the endless monster apps, maybe you'll also like this one, but there's no spelling in it. In this one, the very silly monsters are all part of some puzzles, but these puzzles aren't like any puzzles you've seen before because all of the pieces have moving pictures on them and you have to rearrange the puzzle pieces until the puzzle makes sense until it looks like one whole picture and when you do it snaps into a really funny and very rewarding little animation a lot of the puzzles are based on common shapes like triangles or um, squiggly lines and they are also very challenging for both kids and adults so they're a really fun one to play together anyway i hope that you will check out azzle by judiful thanks so much have a good day bye-bye